This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me John Meese. John is the Dean of Platform University. John leads a team focused on simplifying online marketing for professionals and runs three successful businesses. John's passion is teaching entrepreneurs and busy professionals how to systemize their business and build an engaged online audience. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Roman. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? I'd be happy to. Well, you know, it all started back in 1990 in a little hospital in, outside of Santa Maria, California. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, you know, let's jump ahead a couple decades. I uh, started blogging uh, sort of as a just kind of like I've, I had a lot of opinions in college and I wanted to get them out there. And so I started this uh, blog that was actually an anonymous blog called The Open-Minded Economist. And in my mind, I was challenging someone to kind of throw down, you know, throw down a glove and challenge me and say, how dare you self, you call yourself open-minded? And then I was going to debate them. But of course, that never happened. <laughs> and so um, that was my first foray, though, into the idea of blogging. And I then shortly thereafter launched a blog under my own name, John Meese, and then just kind of followed Michael Hyatt's advice and uh, how to build an online platform and use that to build uh, build a blog that then became a coaching business, became a course business, became an affiliate income business. Uh, it actually allowed me to not only quit my day job, but also when I was newly married, allowed me to retire my wife from her job so we could just live off of our online business full time. So that was pretty cool. That was exciting. And that was about the same time we started having kids. So we have three small children now. And uh, at that point, then Michael Hyatt reached out and he noticed even he had this membership site called Platform University and that's where I had been a student. It's where I had learned a lot of the things that I was doing. And he reached out and said, hey, we're looking for someone to come in full time to really focus on serving Platform University students. We've been watching what you've been doing. We've been subscribed to your podcast and we would love for you to come in and uh, just be fully focused on our students. And so I, I was thrilled with the opportunity and I took it, that was three years ago. So my focus now over the last three years, while I still have a blog and I still do generate money through my online business, um, my really the majority of my focus is Platform University. And so, you know, that's where we really take this whole idea of building a blog or, a, you know, a YouTube channel or a podcast. And how do you how do you really build an audience around that? How do you turn that into a business online? And that's what uh, that's what we teach. So um, that's a little bit of kind of like where we're at right now. And then you mentioned in the uh, intro that I have three businesses that so the um, the one the, the newest one is actually I'm standing right now inside of a new co-working space which I just opened. Um, so that just that just started. That's a new thing, and that's uh, that's exciting. No, it's awesome. And uh, when did you kind of decide to uh, diversify? And how important do you think it is to diversify in terms of your revenue streams and the things you have going on as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think actually more important than diversification is the idea of focus. And so while I did diversify, really for the longest time, my focus was hyper-focused on um, 
uh, on specific areas where I felt like I could add the most value. Um, and so when I started with my blog, I wasn't, I mean, like, as we skipped the part where actually I started a software company that I later divested myself from. But that wasn't something that I did all at the same time. Like, it wasn't like I started blogging and immediately had courses or started blogging and immediately started generating money from affiliate income or immediately started having coaching clients. Um, instead, my focus was um, really just using that blog to build an audience and serve that audience. And so as I did that, it became natural to say, well, what do you need? And there were a lot of people who were saying like, well, we really were trying to figure out how to you know, build a website that reflects our brand well. And so I started doing a little you know, one-off coaching service about that. And it was so popular that then I just basically take that, took that same content and turned that into an online course. And then I found out that there were some other products and services out there that I really liked and I wasn't, you know, were better than I could create on my own. So I started recommending those. And so it became natural to develop affiliate partnerships for those. And then after that, um, it became, uh, you know, clear to me that I was like, as I was going through this, I realized that, okay, there's more to be done here. And I actually partnered with a developer and we created a company called Notable Themes, which still exists today. I'm not involved, but it still exists today that sells WordPress themes and plugins that are for beautiful websites that have, you know, very clear purpose and um, so that was the next thing that we did was launch that. And so, yes, we diversified, but I caution people against coming out the door, focusing on diversification, because what you really want to do is you want to make sure you get traction with one thing or one or two things first and make that your focus before you tack on anything else. Because where most people get lost is actually trying to do too many things at once. Um, so that's one of the reasons, for example, that I'm not on social media at all. I'm a digital marketer. I'm not on social media. It's not because social media is a waste of time or worthless. It's because social media is one of the many things I could be using to grow, to build platform university and to build my businesses. But it's not where I see the highest leverage use of my time and energy. And so that's why I'm not on there. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you had kind of building blocks and then uh, spread out. I know in terms of a company, if you have a product, focusing on that product and getting it to where it should be as high as possible in terms of sales and scaling instead of kind of putting your eggs in all these baskets and uh, kind of diluting what you're doing as a brand and uh, in terms of what you have invested. Totally, exactly. So yeah, so today I have a co-working space. I still make money every month from affiliate promotions that I did three years ago through my own blog. And the majority of my focus is Platform University where we have a membership site, where we sell courses, um, where we do have our, you know, we do recommend other affiliate products too. Um, but uh, but along the way, I've actually, you know, I periodically shed things that may made sense, made sense at one time, but are no longer the best use of my time and energy. Like that software company that I mentioned, Notable Themes still exists, but there came a point where I realized that it wasn't actually the best and highest use of my time and energy. And so I just had a candid conversation with my business partner and divested myself financially from the business and he's continued to run it. I mean, and so way back, I've actually hired him through Platform University for some custom website projects. So like, we're still good. We still talk on a regular basis. But that was something where I realized like I could actually walk away from that because it wasn't where my focus needed to be. That's awesome. So what motivates you to succeed in 2020? So uh, my family, I mean, it, it, so much of that comes back to me, to my family. Um, I'm not sure if you heard it in the background a little earlier, but there was a baby crying in the background. Uh, it was my wife in the next room with our newborn. And so there, Myron is three months old. And so he is brand new. Um, he's adorable. He's beautiful. And you know, my family really motivates a lot of what I do. I have two other kids. I have Damien and Lucas, both boys. 
And my wife and I live in this beautiful small town, Columbia, near the rest of our family. So we get to spend a lot of time with family. And that motivates me for a lot of reasons. It motivates me because that's what gets me out of bed in the morning and gets me to work is because I know, and I expl- my kids know this. I mean, they'll ask, I'll ask them sometimes, so why, why do I go to work? I mean, why am I gone during a lot of the day? And they're like, well, because you want to, you know, buy us things. You want to, you want us to have a house and food and, you know, and the good things. But they're still a little young for two and three months. They're still a little young to understand the bigger picture of why I do what I do is that I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship as the path to really lifting up our entire society. I mean, our, our, our country, our, our city, our world, problems are solved by entrepreneurs. And so if I can do anything to help entrepreneurs succeed, whether that's through a co-working space or whether that's through Platform University or that's through my blog, anything I can do that helps other entrepreneurs succeed means that the world that my children grow up in is a better world. And so that's that fires me up. And that's, that's really what motivates me in 2020. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, I think in life, those uh, motivations change. Obviously, when you get married, you get children. And when you were 20, 30, 40, those things kind of change and you kind of have to pivot with uh, those motivations and kind of work your life around them. If you, I I believe if you want to succeed in terms of having a great personal life and having a great, you know, career, entrepreneurship, startup, whatever you're in as well. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you and I are totally aligned in that, that it's, it's, it's crucial. I mean, it's, it's important and it's exciting. And so, yeah, that's what motivates me. Awesome. So what's one thing that you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Okay. So are you familiar with the Enneagram at all, by any chance? I've heard something about it, but you can uh, explain it to the audience. Well, okay. Well, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be uh, an Enneagram expert and go into too much detail, but it's, it's, it's a personality typing system like many other ones out there. Although I personally think it's, um, you know, better and it's more deeply rooted in, you know, psychology and theology and just kind of like being this. But in the Enneagram language, I am an Enneagram one, also known as a reformer, sometimes called the perfectionist. So in a lot years of my life, that's actually been a really huge tension point with people I work with that I have a very intense attention to detail. And that can not only mean that I take, like if I'm responsible for getting something out the door and I, and I'm not, if I'm waiting till it's perfect, it's never going to get done because there's all, I can always see more things that are more flaws and whatever the product is or the blog post. And so how I've turned, I mean, that that's become a weakness in the past. That was a weakness in part because of the, it was difficult to work with people when I didn't have empathy for them. Before I discovered the Enneagram, I didn't. I just kind of like thought you either cared about details or you didn't care. And that kind of, it was a very negative way of looking at people around me. But once I realized that people are wired different ways and that it's just, it's not that people intentionally overlook details. It's just that it's not natural for them to see it. And that's actually healthy. Then it gave me a lot of empathy for the people I work with on a day-to-day basis, but it also meant that I could actually focus and try to figure out how do I use my perfectionist tendencies as a strength. Now, before I did that, I backed up for a second and said, okay, I need to make sure this doesn't slow me down. And so I operate heavily based on deadlines, you know, and, and calendars that I, you know, the deadline for when the blog post goes out, that's when it goes out. So if it's, if it's not, you know, it just has to be done by then. I, you know, I, I can't just, you know, slave over it forever. And the flip side of that is also that um, I've also realized that 
in if in my mind, and this just has come from trial and error, something that's about 80% done in my mind is actually probably 100% done to most people. But where that's really turned into a strength is I just own it now. When I start working with a new employee or contractor or partner, I let them know. I say, hey, I have an eye for detail and I and I, ha- I hold people to a very high standard of excellence. And so, and I'll be candid at the front end and say some people find that really motivating because it really drives them to succeed and to bring their best. Some people find that really challenging. And so I'll just tell people on the front end, I'm like, I just want you to know if you find it challenging, let me know and let's work through it. But also, this is just who I am. Like, I'm not going to apologize for holding people to a very high standard. And I don't do it in a mean way, by any means. But the reality is, I it's because I believe in their greatness. I believe in the greatness of what they're possible of achieving. And so that's something that's really turned into a strength for me as a leader, is that just really holding a very high bar of excellence. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think um, that being a perfectionist and having something done like 80% or 90% and getting at getting it out there is better than kind of, you know, putting a bottleneck in the process and then pushing everything away. And then if you are a yes. perfectionist, obviously there's a lot of stuff you can delegate. And then when you become comfortable or safe with an employee taking a task over, or you get, you develop a, you know, a better understanding of the employee and have, you know, emotional IQ to that situation and kind of let go as well. I think a lot of things can be taken off your plate and then you can just kind of review and delegate and focus on the more important task at hand. Well, and you just mentioned emotional IQ and literally the book sitting right here on my desk right now is emotional intelligence 2.0. Because I mean, that is something I recognize that as someone who's like, I'm very driven by logic, by pursuing rightness and correctness and justness, that it's something that I work at in our personal relationships that I actively work at, and my wife is so helpful to me in this, I actively work at making sure that I'm thinking through the emotional intelligence of the situation and what is the emotional layer that's going on and really just assuming the best of intentions. Even if as a perfectionist, someone hands me their work and I look at it and I can see 20 things wrong with it, before I respond in any way, I pause to say, well, if I assume the best of intentions, and I mean like until I'm proven absolutely wrong, I wanna assume that people had the best of intentions then they genuinely thought that that was good. And so there's nothing, there's no there's no insult necessary in my response to just be like, hey, I just wanna make sure you you see, here's some key gaps that let's work together to resolve. I mean, really just bringing people to the same side of the table. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, over time and with age and being in different situations in terms of professional and personal, you get to deal with a lot of people and a lot of personalities. And if you are interested in improving, because you ultimately need to tell yourself that, you know, you can improve and want to focus on it and you kind of develop it over time, because when I was 20, I would obviously react a little differently to certain situations that I experienced when I'm now 35. Of course. And it's kind of totally different in terms of mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Progress. You know, I forget who said it first, but I mean, the idea that, you know, progress beats perfection. I mean, that that. And that's, that's really what you're talking about when it comes to personal growth, when it comes to growing your business or improving your marketing, it's all, it's all, it all comes back to the idea of what's the next thing, the next right thing and the next good thing that you can pursue. Yep. And I think, I mean, it's all moving pieces and the pieces have to fit. So, I mean, I'm going to use a sports analogy. I used to play a lot of pickup basketball. So there were kids that are individual great players, but you put them all five, five people on one team and you put five people that are good at one specific task. Yes. And they would beat them every time because it's that kind of right fit, right energy, and kind of right mesh of talent. Exactly. 
So what's one piece of advice you have for the audience, personal or professional? Oh man, that's a good question. One piece of advice. Um, being an Enneagram one <laughs> who has a lot of opinions, uh, I have lots of advice. So, but if I can narrow that to one, I mean, it's really, it's actually not original. It comes from Greg McEwen and his book, Essentialism. It's the whole idea to do less better. We screaming at you to do more, whether that's be on Instagram stories all day, every day, or to live stream your lunch or to have an evergreen webinar that's available at all times that people can register for any 15 minute increment or to have 17 products available for sale in different markets or to run Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, I mean, you name it. We live in this world that tells you, I mean, there's this, there's actually a song that running through my head um, from the greatest showman. There's a woman on stage who sings this song, never enough. And it's just, I feel like that's like the motto of today's world is like never enough. Whatever you're doing, it's never enough. And that's a lie. So if there's one piece of advice for you and leave you with, it's to do less better. The world will thank you for it. Your family will thank you for it. Your mental health will be better for it. If you focus on what are the few things that you can do incredibly well, perhaps even better than everyone else in the world. I mean, what, what are your superpowers? One or two that you can focus on where you can have an impact. And then you have to say no to many, many good things to achieve great things. So that's, I mean, that's, I learned that lesson again every couple months. So it's a very familiar lesson to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think being really good at one thing, you can market it a lot better, still be a generalist and other things that, you know, are pertinent to it that you have to know, but everything that may be a weakness to you, or you may not, you know, be able to focus on, or it's not of importance, you can always delegate, especially in 2020, you can get a virtual assistant, an in-person person. Uh, other employees that are good at what they do and basically, you know, streamline it that way as well. Yes. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, the best way, so we actually put together, uh, you know, uh, a, a single landing spot just for everybody in your audience that has some useful resources that for free that we want to give away. So you can go to platformuniversity.com slash DSE. Uh, and to find that, and you, there'll be a few things you see on there. One of them is actually a checklist we recently put together called the online income checklist. And so this actually walks through to make sure just a few small things to make sure you're doing online with your website or your social media, just to make sure that you're already doing these things where if you're not doing them, you're probably leaving money just lying around. And so it's just a short little PDF, but it's a checklist. A lot of people have found helpful. So you could find that along with some other free resources at platformuniversity.com slash DSE. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Roman. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.